Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. I'll be reading from verses 10 through 28. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And, what is, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, because we know that you're going to speak to us through it. I ask, O Lord, that you'll prepare our hearts and our minds to receive it and to apply it to our lives. Help us, O Lord, to understand it. And help us, O Lord, to know what you want us to hear from it. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear and pay attention and listen. You know, this sounds like you're about to go into class. You know, this is kind of like how teachers begin their class time. I want you to pay attention. You know, it's like when they say, this is going to be on the final test. And you, you're, you're supposed to take out your pencil and start making notes because this is important. Jesus is teaching the crowds, and he's continuing his traveling ministry. And as usual, there's a variety of people in the crowd. Among them this day, there are Pharisees, there are scribes, there are Gentiles and Jews. There, there's just a variety of folks that have come out to hear what Jesus has to say. If you read earlier in the chapter, you find out that Jesus had some harsh words already for the Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites, 
Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrine rules made by men. And Jesus was quoting Isaiah 29, 13 when he said this to them. But here's what he was trying to say. He was basically saying, you have made the law, which is already dif difficult to follow and keep, even more complicated. When I read this, I thought about, well, this is like your taxes and the IRS. Have you ever tried to read through the publications that the IRS puts out? Each one is more complicated than the previous one. And each one of them points you to three other publications you have to read in order to understand that one. And by the time you think you understand it, it gives you a bunch of exclusions or rules that you have to follow in order to apply them. And before you know it, you are thoroughly confused and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. This is what the Pharisees and the scribes and some of the other groups in Israel that were of the elite had done with the law of God. God had given them rules, and many of them were very specific. You know, if this case happens, this is what you do. If this case happens, this is what you do. But what they had done is they had taken some of those rules and made them general to every situation. They had expanded them. If it said, you know, you, you should keep the Sabbath and not do any work, they said, no, we're going to start the Sabbath early on on Friday evening and end it on Sunday morning so you can make sure that you don't break it. They had taken all the laws of God and basically added to them and padded them on both sides to help people to keep them under guise of helping them to follow God's rules. But Jesus clearly did not approve of this approach. He saw that the scribes and the Pharisees had made the law even more complex to follow, and it was already challenging enough. And so now as he's teaching the people in this section today, Jesus calls the people together. He says, now I've been talking to the Pharisees. Now I want to talk to you. I want to talk to the crowd. I want to talk to those that have gathered here to listen to me. And he summons the multitude and he addresses them directly. And what he says is nothing but shocking. He says, what goes into a, the mouth of a person is not what defiles a person. And I say it's shocking because those who were Jewish among the people followed the Torah, followed the dietary laws, and these laws were at the center of the identity of those people called Jews. It was one of the things that set them apart from the other peoples of the land. You know the two things that everybody who wasn't Jewish knew about the Jews? They only have one God, and they follow these weird rules about what they can eat. <laughs> they knew about those things. If they didn't know nothing else about the Jews, those two simple things they knew. Why? Because it was different from what they were used to. They were used to having many gods. They were used to eating whatever they wanted and not having any restrictions. And when they met a Jew, they immediately noticed these differences. And so the, the, the Torah set the, the Jews apart. By following these, these dietary laws, the Jews stood out like a sore thumb wherever they went. 
And so the Jews ended up having to look for other Jews in order to be in community because they couldn't do everything the other people did in terms of the dietary needs. And this served several purposes. One of them was to help the Jewish people to remain distinct and separate from the peoples of the land. God didn't want the Jews to just blend into society. He wanted them to stand apart as God's chosen people. And so when you hear Jesus say things like, what enters your mouth is not what defiles a person, this must have been like, wait, what are you talking about? That's what we've learned all along. That's the rules that we have learned all along, that what we eat can defile you, can make you unclean, that breaking the law is not a good thing, and eating whatever you want is breaking the law, that we have to be obedient to God's rules. Jesus' basic point here, though, was not that the rule was bad or that they shouldn't follow it. What he was trying to say is that what really defiles a person is not the adherence to the law, but what's in the heart as a person adheres to that law. That what really defiles a person is what actually comes out instead of what comes in. He says, what you say, what you do, what's coming out of your heart, this is what defiles a person because God cares about what is in your heart. This is why the psalmist wrote, create in, in me a clean heart, O God, and put a right spirit within me. The psalmist understood that it was about having a right heart before God and that everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that we're about needs to come out of a clean and pure heart before God. As we read the scripture, it's important for us to understand what the word defile means. It means to take something sacred and to desecrate it or profane it for Jews, it meant polluting themselves or making themselves unclean by not following the law or coming in contact with those who were not following the law. The word describes a sinful and unfit condition before God in which no Jew wanted to be found. No Jew wanted to be found unclean. Well, when Jesus said these words, which were indeed controversial in every possible way, the disciples pointed out to Jesus that the Pharisees were offended by what he had said. Surprise, surprise, Pharisees offended by something that Jesus said. Never happened, right? Happened about every other day, I think, for Jesus. He'd say something and they get offended. Earlier in the chapter, he had even talked about the Sabbath, and that offended them because he reminded them that the Sabbath had been created for man and not man for the Sabbath. He had told them that the law basically was made for the benefit of, of man and not man for the benefit of the law, and they didn't like that either. And so they were offended by what Jesus had been saying, and the disciples were concerned. They, they told Jesus, you know, you, know, you, you hit a nerve <laughs> with the Pharisees. They're not happy with you. And I love Jesus' response. He says, don't worry about them. They're the blind leading the blind. If they weren't happy with him before, they're definitely not happy with him now. He just called them the blind leading the blind. 
And he told his disciples, don't worry about them. Basically, don't follow them. Because if you follow them, you'll go in the wrong direction. You'll fall into the same holes and the same pitfalls that they fall. If you try to be like them, you're going to become legalistic and lose the spirit of the law that God has given. What Jesus was trying to get at is that the letter of the law is not that all that there is about the law, that there's a spirit of the law. It is what God had in his heart when he gave the law in the first place. It is the intention of God as he gave them these rules to live by. Well, you would have thought that that would have been enough, but Peter clearly was clueless. He says, uh, can you please explain that again? And I almost feel like Jesus is like the teacher that walks up to the blackboard to explain a word problem step by step and makes you feel like a moron as they do it, you know. Are you so dense that you don't understand this, Peter? Let me explain it to you. Food goes in here, it goes through your body, it goes out into the sewer, and it's done. But what really defiles it, well, it's what comes out from your heart. He says, because out of your heart comes evil or good. It is the origin, it is the place where your intention, your feelings, your emotions, and your desires come from. You have to understand that for the Jew, the heart was the center of all things in the human being. Today, we would maybe call that the mind because we think with our brains, right? But that would have missed the whole point of Jesus, including the emotions and the desires that we have. He wanted them to understand that this was the innermost being. And he was saying, from there come all the good or bad things. He said, from there come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. And if you hear those, you immediately go, well, that's the top 10. That's some of the top 10 commandments that they knew they needed to follow. He says, they all, the breaking of those things all comes from inside. Jesus is saying, the breaking of the law does not begin with what you eat. It begins with what you think and what's in your heart and what's in your intentions. You can't blame what you eat for it. The pizza did not make you cheat on your wife. The burger did not make you covet your neighbor's car. No matter what you have eaten or how sweet or bitter it was, there's no excuse for lying about the fact that you took it and ate it. You can't bear false witness. Every single thing that he describes cannot be blamed on what you ate. Can only be blamed on the intention of your heart that manifested itself verbally or in action. You let it come out from your heart and you acted on it. Food didn't make you do it. In terrible language, your filthy heart made you do it. It was your heart that was corrupt enough to follow those desires that were not good. Jesus wraps up his argument by saying that eating with unclean hands is not what really defiles a person, but rather that following the evil that emerges from their hearts is what really makes them unclean. 
So Jesus has made this argument. He's taught the crowd. He's explained it to his disciples. And then the, the story kind of breaks and gives us a, a change of venue. Jesus goes to another region. And you wonder, why is this all together? It's because in the gospel, we are getting an explanation of what Jesus is teaching. And then we're getting an illustration of it in action. The story that follows is going to help us understand what Jesus has just said. He moves to the district of Tyre and Sidon, which is north of Israel, in the region that we would now call Lebanon. And there, Jesus is with his disciples in a more predominantly Gentile area, and the situation unfolds. The story happens. A Canaanite woman begins to shout, at the disciples and at Jesus. Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Now this woman is shouting and her statement says so much about what she's going through and where she is right now in her life. The first thing that you, you notice is that she's shouting and you only shout if you're trying to get somebody's attention. You only shout if you're trying to get somebody to listen to you. You only shout if you really feel like you can't get that attention any other way. She is shouting because there is something dire going on in her life. Her daughter is tormented by a demon. As a parent, I can't even imagine how she must have felt. Can you imagine knowing that your child is being tormented by a, an evil spirit, by a demon. And you've probably tried all kinds of things to help them, and nothing has helped. This woman is calling out to Jesus, and she recognizes that as a Gentile woman, she probably doesn't deserve his attention. He probably shouldn't give her the time of day he probably shouldn't even address her because of who she is and where she comes from. But in humble presentation of herself, she comes to Jesus and calls him Lord and calls him son of David, a recognition of the power and the authority that she believes he has. It showed that she believed that he could make a difference in her daughter's life and her condition. She really believed Jesus had power. She believed Jesus had authority. She believed Jesus could show mercy. And the woman kept shouting and shouting and shouting. But interestingly enough, Jesus does not respond. And this is where the story gets strange because we're used to people crying out to Jesus, screaming for Jesus, like the lepers did, like the, the other people that were sick along the road did, and Jesus often would eventually turn to them and call them to come to him and ask them what they needed or say, you know, what do you want me to do? He, you know, that, that's the typical story. But in this case, Jesus is silent. He says nothing to the woman. And it is his disciples that get fed up with her screaming. They get tired of her screaming after them. And they come to Jesus and tell him, why don't you dismiss her? Why don't you tell her to leave us alone? 
Why don't you tell her to leave? I mean, they wanted Jesus to just tell her off. And Jesus reminds them that he has come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At this point in his ministry, he was making clear that he was going to the Jews. That at this point in his ministry, he was trying to reach his people with the message of the kingdom of God. And at this point, that was his focus. But the woman did not quit. The scripture tells us that at that point, she threw herself down on the ground and knelt before Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You know, when you need help from Jesus, you need to learn from this woman. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit asking. Don't quit pleading. Don't quit praying. Don't quit believing that he can make a difference. Don't quit asking for him to show his mercy. Don't quit relying on his love. Continue to cry out to him, Lord, help me. Jesus finally addresses the woman, but in a way that rubs us the wrong way, all up and down, both sides. He tells her it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. He's talking about taking food off the table and feeding it to the pets of the house. He's saying it's not fair to do that. Children need to eat before you give the pets food. Yes, he's calling her the pet. He's calling her the dog. She's calling, he's calling her the one that's under the table. Most of us would have gotten offended at that moment and walked out. Most of us would have said, you just called me a dog. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm finished. I want nothing to do with you. Whatever it is that I came for, forget it. I'm leaving. But the woman sees an opportunity instead. She points out that even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She basically says the dogs and the pets are part of the household. However, they are. They're still part of the household and they even eat the crumbs that fall off the table and that is enough to feed them. And she was saying, I will take the crumbs. I will take whatever drops from the table. I am, you know, she was making some claims here. You have enough power to go around for the Jews and for my daughter. You have enough mercy to go around to be for them and be for me. And I am willing to have you as my master. And I will take whatever drops from your table because even the crumbs from the table of Jesus are better than a feast somewhere else. I'll take whatever you give me right now. I'm throwing myself at your mercy. I'm calling you my master you know, you only knelt down back then before kings. That was the people you knelt down before, kings and royalty. And this woman was basically recognizing that Jesus had the power to grant her desires. What had come out of the woman's mouth showed more faith and belief in Jesus than most of what Jesus had heard from all the others combined. This woman believed 
that Jesus could do it. Her words reflected a clean heart, willing to humble itself and to recognize that Jesus was Lord and Master and that she needed the help for her daughter. The woman was clean, but not externally. To everybody there, she was a Gentile, a woman, a Canaanite, the enemy. And they would have never helped her. But internally, this woman was right with God because her heart was poured out before Jesus in as humble a way as she could find. She recognized the lordship of Jesus. She recognized the power of Jesus. And she called on his mercy and relied on his faithfulness. She was pleading for her daughter and not for herself. Jesus responded, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus didn't send the woman away to go follow the dietary laws of the Torah. He didn't say, go to the temple and purify yourself seven times and come back. He didn't say, go and give some alms to the poor. He didn't say, go and learn all of the things of the Old Testament. He said, your faith has been seen, and I've met your faith with a miraculous healing. Your daughter has been healed. You know, Jesus didn't even have to go to her to pray over her or anything. He just said the word. It's done. She's well. Jesus was able to find faith in the most unlikely people and places for a simple reason. He didn't go by outward appearances. He didn't go by where people were from or what they looked like. He looked at the purity and the sincerity of their hearts. He looked at the faith that they had. He looked at what they believed when they came to him. This woman was willing to be called a family pet or a dog if it meant that her daughter's torment would end. What are we willing to humble ourselves to in order to experience the miraculous power of Jesus? To see the miracles that he will do and the works that he can accomplish in us and through us. How far are we willing to humble ourselves to be made clean from the inside out instead of from the outside in? You know, there's a lot of people that think that it's all about appearances. They'll get themselves prettied up on the outside, but the inside is still so filthy because they started with the wrong end. We have to start from the inside. We've got to open our hearts to God to let Jesus in and to ask him to clean our hearts and put that right spirit within us. That woman taught a great lesson to the disciples that day. They had probably judged her up and down after looking at her once. But Jesus showed them that her heart believed 
and that she had faith. And that that counted more than all of the things that they were looking at. I pray that we can pray the same prayer that the psalmist prayed. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a right spirit within me. Help me follow your law, not out of fear of consequence, but out of love of you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scripture. We thank you, O Lord, for the example of this Canaanite woman. We thank you for Jesus' bold words, trying to explain to us that what's in our heart is ultimately very important to you. Help us to have clean and pure hearts before you. Help us, O Lord, to take all those evil things that try to grab hold of us. Help us to turn those over to you and to confess them and to repent of them and to not let them take hold in our lives. We ask, O Lord, that you will give us the power to humble ourselves before you, to come low and to come often, and to admit that we need you, that we need your power, that we need your miracles, that we need your Holy Spirit, that we need your healing, that we need your restoration. Help us, Lord, to just continue to seek to follow you, O Lord, in everything we do. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is always open if you would like to come up for prayer today, particularly for that clean heart, that humble heart that recognizes that we need Jesus in everything in our lives.